I think I think as I was saying it, I knew it was wrong. I just Emmy said bright colors like the Queen, a yellow Jenny Packham dress, no, no tiara, maybe a hat. Everything that I know of His Majesty King Charles III is that this is a man who's dedicated himself to diversity, inclusion. I think Americans are like, wow, this is a fun celebration. Like, wouldn't you be, you know, happy to be crowned king? But obviously understanding and very much respecting that it's a solemn service and it's a moment between Charles and God. And I was not expecting how he looked. George playing such a, a fantastic role, carrying his grandfather's yeah. robes there, and yet possibly knowing in the back of his mind somewhere that this is him down the line. It's just so much to get your head around. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Right Royal Podcast with me, Emmy, And me, Andrea. In this episode, we'll be talking about King Charles and Queen Camilla's coronation with those who were up front and centre during the historical event. Join us as we catch up with New York Times bestselling author and royal fashion expert Elizabeth Holmes, who joined Hello's coronation coverage for the special day. And then we sat down with Alexis French, a pianist who delighted crowds at the coronation concert. Not to mention we have our very first royal guest, Prince Albert of Monaco, who spoke to us ahead of King Charles' special day about attending and answered our burning questions on what to gift a king. Of course, the celebrations also included pomp and ceremony from the Household Cavalry, and we spoke to Captain Elizabeth Godwin from the Royal Lifeguards about preparing for the big day. And I got to meet the horses. But first, we're joined by our very own royal editor, Emily Nash. Who is a broken woman after a very busy weekend. But has survived. Does it, does it show? Uh, <laughs> no, no, you look great. <laughs> you, you survived, Emily. I'm, I'm still standing. I'm not, I'm sitting, actually, yes. if we're honest. How was it? Incredible. What a moment and what a privilege to be able to cover a coronation. You know, we knew that this was going to happen at some point down the line. We've all been anticipating it for so long and... I think it's just going to take me quite a few weeks for it all to sink in, really. You've covered a lot of royal events. You've been at Westminster Abbey a lot of times. How does this compare? Uh, It was like nothing else. I mean, it was such a privilege to be inside on the day. I can't even tell you, the music was sensational. The flowers you could smell. The colour... In the crowd, just, you know, the costumes, you had like law lords in full wigs, you had people in Maori cloaks, you had these incredible hats, and everyone dressed up to the nines. It was a real sort of carnival atmosphere inside, I suppose. My favourite moment, actually, in the run-up to the ceremony was when Anton Deck walked through and got a massive cheer. Really? <laughs> people were just, uh, I think, very happy to see them. Just like a little bit of normality. <laughs> Yeah, one of those sort of very surreal moments, you know, they're witnessing this ritual that goes back for more than a thousand years and yet here at Antendek. That's amazing. So that was fun. There are so many highlights. I don't know where to start. I just want to know, first of all, did you sleep the night before? A little. A little. A little. I think my alarm went off at 5am on the day and I had to be in position at 7am I was in my seat by eight. Did you find your seat? Because, like, Katy Perry had a whole drama finding her seat. Oh, no, no. Well, Katy was sort of left to her own devices. But uh, as you can imagine, the media was quite tightly controlled. So um, (laughs) we were in position quite early on. And it was absolutely fascinating to see the people filing past. You know, you saw the Prime Minister, various members of the Cabinet, uh, world leaders, 
pop stars, yes. Lionel Richie walking past. It was just so surreal. I just want to know as well. I have so many questions, honestly. I don't know where to start. The wait is long. You have to be seated by nine. Well, we, we were in our positions by eight. And of course... The ceremony doesn't start till 11. Yeah. So I think I sat in the Abbey for six hours in total. I know what you're going to ask me. There were two opportunities to use the bathroom. Oh, I wasn't even going to ask that. <laughs> I just wonder, like, how slow or fast time passes. I wanted to ask whether you packed some, like, Uno or, you know... <laughs> Something you know, to display. Pass the time. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it was pretty much working solidly throughout because there was so much to take in, you know, and you want to do an event like this justice. We've done a huge amount of coverage in the magazine this week. Mm. And I just wanted to savour and take in every detail. So I was just writing notes solidly. And we were able to see some bits on a screen and some bits in person, just given the nature of the Abbey and, and how it's all laid out. But once the ceremony itself started, it felt like we hadn't been waiting for long at all. It, yeah. it kind of passed by in a bit of a blur. It's great people watching. Oh, the best. You could just be there for hours, I guess. It doesn't matter. A hundred percent. So there was no element of, you know, being remotely bored or impatient for things to get underway. Yeah. It was just a complete feast for the senses. What was your favourite moment of the ceremony? You've talked pre-ceremony, oh, but wow. the actual... I mean, there are a couple of moments that stand out for me. One was the anointing screen moment, which I found incredibly moving. And it sort of took me by surprise because I wasn't expecting that bit where we couldn't actually see what was happening to have such an impact. Through him who liveth and reigneth supreme over all things, one God, world without end. Amen. Um, on a personal note, I actually felt quite emotional when Bryn Turville started singing Welsh because that's never been done at a coronation before. I thought that, that was very beautiful. And then again, Charlotte and Louis in the front row watching history unfold. George playing such a, a fantastic role, carrying his grandfather's yeah. robes there, just looking so dutiful, and yet possibly knowing in the back of his mind somewhere that this is him down the line. It's just so much to get your head around. He did not look bored. Like He just looked like he was getting on with the job. He was doing it perfectly. And I mean, I have kids, you know, that's like a miracle. <laughs> I really was very, I have a nine-year-old too, and I did wonder how he would, I'm sure he would have been fine. Luckily for him, his grandfather is not the king. Yes. So <laughs> we'll never have to test that. Look, they did so much rehearsing, as we saw in yeah. the, the week running up to that and long before, and really no one put a foot wrong. And I think for a piece of theatre on that scale that was being watched all over the world, mm. if something had gone wrong, it really would have jarred, and they just carried it off to perfection. Yeah. Now, Emily, we were lucky enough to, you know, see the Wales kids on Saturday, but actually we've been treated to a lot of appearances by them. On Sunday night, they went to the concert, obviously not Louis because it was way past his bedtime. And again on Monday for their visit to the Scouts and Slough. That's right. It's been quite a treat for all watchers and the kids have been front and centre. I'm sure they are pretty exhausted by now. Yes. But how lovely, you know, this is really showing the continuity of the family and the monarchy. We've had them in the very formal setting of the Abbey. Then we've had George and Charlotte waving their flags and dancing in the front row at the Royal Box on Sunday evening. And then keeping it real with a big help out in Slough, joining the Scouts. And we've seen Louis and William driving a digger, oh. making handprints on the wall, toasting marshmallows together. 
it's really, you know, giving some lovely imagery for us all. And they've chosen this big occasion, obviously, for Louis to finally do his first royal engagement. Absolutely. And he did so well. Louis is joined the family now at the age of five. I think he is ready. And this engagement was perfect for him as well, you know, because it's all about kids being outdoors. It's the kind of stuff they probably do at home yes. all the time. I literally imagine them just doing this in their backyard. Toasting marshmallows every day. Yes, hand printing, doing fun arts. That's kind of like how I imagine Kate, like, as a mum. It's the dream. I love it. I hope we see more of them together. And I think I have to mention, very understated visit from Harry as well. Like, he, he really just got in there, smiled, got out, and that was it, He really. smiled a lot. It's, but I think what else... I, I think I he could, probably couldn't have handled the situation any differently, I, I think, Emily? I think it was the right way to do it, absolutely. Yeah. I think it, it didn't cause a massive diversion. I think that it was great to see him there for yeah. this big family moment. Absolutely. Even if he did appear to be on the periphery a little bit. For me, what was interesting was watching as they sang the national anthem and one of the camera angles showed him singing along. But a lot of the time, he was obscured by Princess Anne's huge hat. (laughs) And whether that was by accident or by design, I think perhaps that was a good thing. Because again, you don't want the scrutiny to be on him. This was... Charles the King's day. and the Queen's moment. Yeah. yeah, and he was, you know, he was there with his cousins, which I thought was nice. Yeah, he interacted you know. with Zara, interacted with Anne. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll call them by the Princess Anne. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, th- this is a major state occasion and a sort of binding one in terms of our history. And I think it's absolutely right that that didn't become the focus in any way. Absolutely. And then he was back in time for Archie's birthday meeting, yeah. I think. If, yeah. if I, bet, oh, I think out. Archie was probably allowed to stay up late. Yeah, just to welcome Daddy Daddy back. Oh, that's adorable. What went through your mind when you saw the royals entering the Abbey? I think Because that was the first time you saw them in their clothes. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was spectacular to see them in all their finery. And surreal, again, because, you know, I've covered them for many, many years. I've seen them day to day doing their job in very ordinary places, you know, like youth centres, I don't know, visiting factories and this kind of thing. So to see them in that context, and, you know, obviously we've seen them in the Abbey so many times before, but this was just next level. God save the king! God save the king! Can you just Um, tell our listeners how broken you are, one to ten? (laughs) Um, Eleven to? (laughs) Um, No, look, it's been an absolute privilege to cover this, but it has been intense. It has. Wow, Emily, it sounds like you need to sleep for a week. Mm-hmm. But not before you join us for a chat with Elizabeth Holmes. For royal fans, you may have spotted Elizabeth on Hello Social channels over the coronation as she reported on the special day. Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast. It's so wonderful to be here. Uh, obviously, you were covering the coronation on Saturday for Hello. It was an amazing day. Just tell us a bit about it. How was it? It was so exciting. So we had a flat on Whitehall. And so we sort of were running up to the flat to like catch glimpses on the TV, but then running down to the street to join the crowds and see the procession. And I just felt like I was just, it was this whirlwind of a day and it was all so exciting. Is it what you expected? Because obviously you've been planning your trip, you know, for ages and you're here. Was it what you expected or more? It was somehow not what I expected. And I've been thinking about that in the time since it's passed. And from the moment I first saw Charles as the Diamond Jubilee coach came by, the way that coach is lit and the way his face was framed and we were on the side of the street with him and he was just right there. And I was like, is this real? Oh my goodness, you could just see him. 
robes. I can so regal. Oh my gosh. That was... <laughs> he looked almost like a vision sort of thing. He was just glowing. And I was like, that's a king on the way to his crowning. It was just, it was surreal. It's surreal. I keep coming back to. <laughs> what was the highlight of the day for you? I think that first moment was probably the highlight because I researched and written about the royal family for so long. And I've always thought, one day there's going to be a coronation. And I'd like to be part of that conversation. And so that moment, it really hit me. I was like, this is it. This is it's happening. And then, you know, off he goes and up we go to the flat to try and catch as much of the service as we can. And, you know, I just kept peeking out this very tall window on the top floor of this building and looking down at the crowds. And even with all the rain and, you know, London weather turned up, people were so excited to be there. And it was just in America, we just don't have anything like this. And so to witness it and be part of it and be really surrounded and immersed by it was just, it was a once in a lifetime thing. I think we talked in the past, didn't we, about how this was going to have some kind of Arthurian elements to it. And certainly when I was preparing to cover this and it was inside the Abbey on the day, it struck me just how strange this might look to someone who hasn't done the research, who is watching from overseas, who's not across the tradition. What did you make as an American of those rituals that you saw? Was it like watching a new episode of Game of Thrones, that sort of thing? (laughs) (laughs) No, I kept thinking, we don't have anything like this. But wow, you know, this sort of living link to history and the continuity for a thousand years. It's sort of incredible. Somebody I talked to beforehand, an author, Jennifer Robson, had said this felt a little bit like time travel. And that's what it felt like watching it. And I think, too, because of the way that it was broadcast and the camera stayed so tightly on Charles and on the people who were officiating the ceremony that, you know, it wasn't panning the crowds like a royal wedding in the same way. It was just very much on Charles and this very solemn moment. The procession afterwards was this moment where I sort of went into <laughs> different headspace because we were sort of bopping along to the marching bands that were going through and the military and then, then the horses. And then I just sort of like looked up into my right and there was the gold stained coach. And it's like, oh, my gosh, it's just it was just like a vision. And it comes by. And then this time we were on Camilla's side. And to see those crowns in person on a person, I just and then, you know, along come the Waleses and there's sweet Charlotte in the window. And she looked delighted. And that got me very excited because as a mother myself, I, it was just yeah. fun to see her so excited about it. And then it just sort of continues on and I was just like oh my gosh like wow it was just it was incredible was there anything that surprised you I was really surprised watching the service by Charles's expression and I think that's because in preparation for this moment I've watched the Queen's coronation as much as I can over and over and I've stared at pictures of her there are a lot of pictures of her at her coronation in my book and she you know is a 27 year old woman Mm -hmm. a young mother she sort of has this a little bit of a nervous presence throughout moments of the ceremony but she's sort of you know she's 27 and she sort of had this incredible posture and her chin was up and her eyes were bright and I was like oh wow you know you're crowning a queen like how exciting and so I guess I expected Charles to have a sort of different presence throughout the ceremony and that's something that I'm still trying to understand and definitely trying to understand through the British point of view because I think Americans are like wow this is a fun celebration like wouldn't she be you know happy to be crown king but obviously understanding and very much respecting that it's a solemn service and it's a moment between Charles and God. And I was not expecting how he looked. He did look very subdued, actually, didn't he? I loved seeing him in his white shirt. Uh, for me, that it was, was the, the it was the most moving point of the ceremony. I was actually taken aback and I grabbed the person sitting next to me and pinched his arm at that point because I was like, this is unbelievable that we're watching this. 
And it was the fact that he was taken behind that screen. But the moment that his equerry Major Johnny sort of unbuttoned his tunic mm. and he just saw the shirt and then he disappeared from view. And the guardsmen who were holding the anointing screen had their heads bowed. For me, that was absolutely breathtaking because you kind of knew that there was this very solemn religious moment happening behind there and yet we couldn't see it. Mm. But going back to your point, Elizabeth, I think you're absolutely right. I think to outsiders looking in, I guess you're like, why isn't he got a full wattage smile on his face as the crown comes down here? This is his big moment. But it's a huge responsibility, not least, you know, just wearing all of that regalia. was incredibly heavy. It weighs five pounds, the crown. The robes he was wearing combined are about nine pounds as well. Mm. He's literally weighed down by this as well as the responsibility. But I thought what was lovely is on his way into the Abbey and out, he had genuine, very warm smiles for people who were, who were in the crowd. And a lot of his very close, long-serving aides were in the front row. And I think that that was probably deliberate because he was able to see very familiar faces as he walked through. Both he and Camilla, you could see them catching people's eyes and acknowledging them. And I think that was really special. That's really nice. It must be such complicated emotions. Like, you know, finally having this coronation that you've been preparing your whole oh. life for. It can't just be happiness and excitement. Okay? It must be so... It's bittersweet. It, well, and also yeah. it's because his mother passed yeah, of away. Course, of course, yeah. And as I've lost my mother, and it's a profound loss, and to think that this is the job that you've waited your life for, but it comes at this moment mm. when you're still grieving. You know, it hasn't has not been that long. And also he's... 74. That's an age when I know my father is sort of winding down a little bit the work yeah. side of things yeah. and, and we ramping up the excitement. We? I can't yeah. imagine my dad being no, I get, Sorry, I, dad, but you know. <laughs> Maybe so, that's why he seems so weighed down because he's just knackered already. Well, there's also the responsibility of not messing it up in front of the yeah. world. You know, the pressure of being mm. watched by millions of people around the world. 20 million. You no know. one wants to trip. No one wants no. to drop something. I felt for the Archbishop of Canterbury. Well, I mean, the, the moment of crowning. crowning. I was going to say, was he, he like twisting like, it on. Like, like a ball like, cap. Sh- yeah. Like, like. <laughs> there, were, there were a few moments where we took in a breath. I think the glove was another moment. It looked like there was just a beat before he managed to get it on comfortably. And I think they, you know, they rehearsed this over and over and over again. You know, having the cameras on you and the eyes of the world is just such a big added element. Yeah, it? and everyone's nerves as well. Not just yours, but, you know, everyone. I, I felt actually, nervous for him. Like, yeah. I was watching yeah. it. And I and, and because it's, I want to say, too, that Charles has a fantastic smile, like a full face, big smile. And not that I was expecting that, but he definitely can show a lot of emotion in his face. And so when he looked literally weighed down by all of this and when they were putting the crown on and sort of twisting it on. I was like, oh, please, oh, please, like get the crown on his head. Please, gosh. I'm one of those people. Crown on his head. Just please give it on it, you know. And you could see, too, Camilla was holding herself so carefully once she had that crown on and like, yeah. it was so heavy. It's yeah, so yeah. heavy. It's a, it's yeah. A, I think Camilla, a lip reader, spotted Camilla telling, was adjusting, saying like, a bit to the right, a bit to the right, <laughs> just oh. to like get it in like comfortably oh amazing oh the these lip readers hey <laughs> yeah i have been thinking about william you know standing there first row what was he thinking like the next well, not just him but george too yes george I my i kept going to george and i was like because i have a boy who's seven and i'm like 
I just like, what are you thinking about right now? Like, are you connecting that this is gonna? He's always trying to stop, isn't he? Yes, so he's absolutely. Gonna That's I. You know what? I never thought of that, and that yes. is yeah. it's just terrible because the next time they're there, you know, it's because Charles is not here anymore, and then yes, George will be in the same position as his dad was this weekend, and thinking, okay, next time, I think it's just it's awful. For the, it really for is. the men in the in the family there, isn't it? Really, mm. <sighs> one of my favorite moments actually was watching Charlotte and Louis in the front row there, singing the national anthem as Charles and Camilla walk past and sort of both looking up at their grandpa Wales with his crown on in all his regalia and just singing the national anthem. And, I mean, what a memory that's going to be yeah. for them. Louis is only five and he is so well behaved. Well, he did have a timeout. Yes, he did. He did have a timeout. He went to spend a little bit of time in a room across the abbey. Get a little snack. I'm sure, look, you know... Toilet we're breaks, not, we're, we're mothers. Water, We know yes. how these things we operate. Know two hours in the... No if, way. If you can get through to this hymn, we can go and have some cake. I'm yeah. sure something like that <laughs> yes. happened. Mm, absolutely. And your favourite snack. And it paid off, you know. He was fantastic. He behaved. was fantastic. He saved all the fun Louis yeah. from the balcony. Yes. No, but also the carriage. He was um, heard screaming, what are you shouting at? What are you screaming at? To all the people outside. I love it. I love it. And there's something very important that we haven't discussed yet. Um, oh, the fashion. Kate's outfit. Oh, it was well, 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 wait, Kate, wait. but also Camilla's, okay? Because like Camilla oh, yes. put a lot of effort no. into her outfit. Uh, yeah. Well, well, we'll get to it. Kate was another <laughs> level. Kate like slayed, not to yeah. sound like Gen Z, but <laughs> what did you think it of was the fashion, exquisite. Elizabeth? It was exquisite. The minute I saw it, I was like, of course, of course, this is the perfect thing. And I never in a million years would have like closed my eyes and pictured it beforehand. But the tiara or hat or flower crown debate that was wild before in the lead up to it, I was like, it's all of it. It's all of those things. It's one headpiece that look, I mean, it yeah. felt like a tiara, but it had all like the formality of a really beautiful headpiece, but it didn't feel sort of opulent the way yeah. a tiara would have. So she also fit in with the crowd and the way that it just sort of like framed her beautiful face and I just I was blown away by that piece and then Charlotte in her little mini me version I, I just oh, it, was it was absolutely delightful. adorable wasn't it was stunning it? it was one of those moments when you look at them and you're like a duh of course they were going to go like that why did I think you know that they were going to go differently like it was just perfect is this uh, how you bring out the predictions well well yes now if you listened to the episode where we interviewed Elizabeth Holmes we gave our predictions about what you know Kate was going to wear so so, Elizabeth, I'm going to start with you. You wanted a tiara. I did. Now, your words was they need some sunlight. Yeah, so the tiaras. We, we didn't get Not a tiara. Not the people, the tiaras. <laughs> you, did, <laughs> you did say McQueen would be the designer. That so is point, impressive. One point. Yeah. As for the colour, you said pale, pastely, light, soft colour. White. No, it doesn't quite count. Um, no, I, I wasn't anticipating white? the robes. And yeah. the robes, I think, I think they played a very important yes. part because... We barely saw Kate's dress. Yeah. And so the fashion conversation couldn't really be about the dress. Yeah. And it still focused around the headpiece. And then what the robes did is it helped her sort of blend a little bit. Not blend. I mean, she stood out within the crowd, but she blended with the royal family. Yeah. And so, again, when this moment is all about Charles and keeping the spotlight on him, there was no sort of analyzing yeah, Kate's true. dress, right? Because it was she was underneath the robe. And so I thought it was brilliantly done. I mean, it was I just... I thought it was brilliant done. Emmy, you got it all wrong. Uh, yes, a bit harsh. I think. I think as I was saying it, I knew it was wrong. I just Emmy said bright colours like the Queen, a yellow Jenny Packham dress, no, no tiara, maybe a hat. 
Okay, well, <laughs> I mean. No, I said McQueen Red, which is disappointing. Well, yeah. that was a concert. She wore yes. McQueen Red to the concert. And no time. tiara. But obviously, Emily here got practically got it all right. You said McQueen, pale cream or off white. And then you didn't mention tiara or hat because we oh, were. I hedged my bets every yeah. time, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you did good. You did good, Emily. Well, I think, you know, to your point about the robes, I think it will be really interesting. And at the time of recording, we haven't seen the, the formal official portraits. I think we'd all like to see a I bit more of that. that outfit, wouldn't we? Yes, but I, I have looked back at the queens and they were still in their robes for those photos. There's a beautiful photo of the queen in just her gown. In just her gown. Mm, with nothing else. Okay. And I hope, I hope that we'll get something. Similar. Yeah, and Kate too. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would like to see all of these outfits at some point in an exhibition oh i'm I'm sure sure. well that's what i was thinking too as they came down i was like i've been to so many british museums this week and i'm like oh we're gonna see these clothes like soon maybe i don't know how long do you think it will take that's a very good question i mean the late queen's coronation gown has been on display several times over the years and that to see it very close up you know with the shamrock the thistle Mm. all of these beautiful bits of embroidery on it is incredible and I think I'd love to have that close up a view of what Queen Camilla wore we saw this incredible detail where she had the names of her children and grandchildren embroidered into the dress along with this celebratory bunting and the national emblems and I think that was quite a fun very personal take on something that could have just been very seriously symbolic, mm. um, but it really displayed some of her personality. And her dogs. Her, her dogs. dogs were on the front. I was like, how do you make a coronation gown feel friendly? And it's like, yeah. oh, you put some dogs on the head. <laughs> like, it's so, it's just brilliant. And like, Bruce Oldfield nailed it. That was by far my favorite look of the day. It was stunning on her. And it felt, again, they walked this very fine line. It needed to feel formal but not sort of like over the top or flashy in any way and that again as an American I was like oh yes this is what everyone should wear to a coronation yeah of course <laughs> yeah, of, of course. course yes exactly <laughs> she put a lot of thought into that gown mm-hmm. and I'm she, sure there are more elements that we haven't seen wait, the, yet can we talk about the bugs on the robe yes yes in a, coroni- in a coronation first so her robe that she wore upon departure it was this beautiful purple velvet robe embroidered with all sorts of two dozen I believe flowers that she picked and it's flowers like delphinium which is one of Charles's favorite flowers but also the flower of her birth month like there's it's just steeped with symbolism but in there too there are also bugs there are insects the first time they've been put on a coronation piece it was like bees and butterflies and a beetle oh, wow. and a caterpillar. It's, I totally oh, missed that. Wow. <laughs> all, to yeah, reflect, all to reflect their joint love of nature, but they I love. think particularly in tribute to the king, I think. Yes. And, I mean, we oh. saw it again at the coronation concert last night, this emphasis on the natural world. And I think that's going to be something that is synonymous with his reign. Absolutely. And it forward. also it added this very like romantic, earthy feel to this very elaborate service and that I feel like again from a fashion perspective is so important because it felt romantic in a way especially Charles with his stole that had the beautiful flowers on. Mm. I thought they did an incredible job. It's actually really sweet isn't it? And just another note on Bruce Elfield we were talking about this the other day Elizabeth weren't we that his backstory is incredible that he was the person chosen to do this and we know he's been one of her favourite couturiers for many many years but he was brought up in a care home in Bernardo's that's one of Camilla's charities there's such a lovely connection there that goes far beyond this as well you know if you consider he had a very troubled background but he has ended up creating a coronation gown for queen camilla it's just a lovely story truly 
Overall, Elizabeth, I want to know, because Kate pulled out some incredible looks over the weekend and in the run-up, actually, to the coronation. What's your favourite? Well, I want to just first call out the sequencing. She's very good at that, and she did that with the kids. So she wore red at the walkabout and then white to the reception and then blue to the following reception. So lovely flag moment. The kids were in red, white, and blue. George was in red. Charlotte was in white. Louis was in blue. And I I love a cadence. I I love the the thought behind that. My favorite look, it has to be Camilla. I mean, Camilla's gown... To have a beautiful gown that doesn't in any way sort of steal the spotlight is difficult to do, yeah. right? And so I just thought she looked exquisite. I really did. And I thought all the coronation fashion. Also, Sophie looked wonderful. I mean, everybody sort yeah. of turned up. It was sort of a feast. And I want to spend more time looking at each outfit. But like, if you're on Instagram, like Sophie's dress designer did a whole behind the scenes. Yes. And then, oh, wait, we got to talk about Harry. Harry wore Dior, which I understand to be sort of a way to bring his mother with him to the service that Dior was a brand that famously dressed Diana. And he had this bespoke piece and Dior again, put it on Instagram and put the sort of the behind the scenes of the making of it all. And just like, what a modern thing to do for a court to like go behind the scenes in the fashion way. That's amazing. We've seen a lot of behind the scenes. I'm loving it. From this. There's I a told whole you, Emily, new strategy going I said, on. tell the, the social team that I am loving it. I am loving the reels, loving the photos. Um, oh. They are on it. Yes. I mean, they even just like last night I got home from the Coronation concert and I pulled it up and there the whales were and I was like, yeah. wow. And it's just beautiful. And again, for... American followers, a lot of whom are here, but a lot of people watching from afar. It's just a way to draw you in. You know, it's so personal and feels so intimate. It's very clever. Even Charles and Camilla with Chris Jackson taking those photos behind the scenes. I mean, my dear friend Chris, who I think will probably be slightly mortified about his head popping up in the footage (laughs) um, of what was meant to be. I think everyone recognised him immediately. uh, It was meant to be, uh, you know, something (laughs) private behind the scenes that may or may not be released. But what photographs he produced, they're absolutely stunning. I love it. I love it really important photo that ran in all the papers that he took of them from behind and so you could see their crowns and then you see the crowds. The sea of crowds. That is a very affirming visual, right, for the monarchy Mm. and in so many ways that people are, you know, what's the role of a modern monarchy and, you know, around the world and we have obviously a very different relationship with it but it's like, what's going on over there? And it's like, well, he's loved. You know, I mean, it's just it says it all in one picture and you sort of imagine that picture in books for you know, decades to come. Elizabeth, we could talk to you all day. Thank you so, so much for joining us. It's been amazing. Thank you for having me. See you at the next one. (laughs) Not not too soon. No, not too soon. No, the next big royal celebration. (laughs) Thank you for clarifying, Andrea. Next up, we're welcoming our first ever royal guest on the podcast, Prince Albert of Monaco. Our wonderful colleague, Isabelle de Courson, spoke to the prince ahead of attending the day. And if you're wondering what you gift a king on his coronation, have a listen. Monseigneur, how are you feeling ahead of the coronation of King Charles? Well, thank you. I feel very well. But of course, as every month of May in Monaco is always very busy, and I'm very busy right now, but Prince Charlie and myself are very uh, eager to get to London to witness this historic event. And so we're very excited to be invited and to be part of this. So. Has seeing the preparation for the coronation brought back some memories of your own? It was quite a different affair back in 2005. It's very difficult to compare these two ceremonies and every country is different and our countries, uh, the United Kingdom and Monaco, are, are very different in traditions and culture, but it remains a, a very moving moment and you know a very significant one for that country's institution and institution 
institutions and the people, of course, but it's the same, I think, for every country that uh, has a monarch as, as a head of state. And, you know, when you know that things are well organized and well planned, it's uh, then it makes the anticipation of the event a little more easier. But uh, it's always a very emotional and very, very powerful moment. And what about your children? They won't be able to witness the event in person, but have they been asking about it? Are they curious or just too young to be aware of what is happening? No, they do know about it, and I don't know if they will watch it. We will encourage them to, but they know it's happening and that we will be there, but they haven't yet demonstrated an excessive amount of enthusiasm. Of course, they're still young and they don't quite know the significance of of this, but I'm sure that they will... They do watch it. They will. They will remember it. You know better than anyone else the full significance of that event. How do you think Charles will feel about the day? Do you remember what you were feeling? You know, I took part in the different different meetings in preparation of the event. You know how it's going to be in, uh, uh, surprises, of course, or or, or or unexpected turn of events. But and we hope that there will not be. But you you pretty much know that what's going to happen and, and you learn to prepare for it. But of course, there's always, as I said before, it is a very emotional moment. And of course, you feel a little nervous and a little anxious to see that everything will go well, but it's not overwhelming. Yes, you want to be able to share it with uh, with your family and those around you, but you also want the, everything to run smoothly and not last too long. <laughs> From your experience, is it easy to manage to remain calm when the world is watching? When you're exposed to public life at a young age, like we have been, I say we, King Charles is in the same configuration, and he he's had even more public exposure probably than than I had at a at a very early age. But you learn to deal with things, and you learn to you know look beyond what is there, and you you have to somehow look for for moments that you can enjoy and and where you can you know experience it in a personal way. What do you gift to a king on his coronation? Is there a particular rule? Unfortunately, the uh, protocol has not allowed us to bring any formal gifts, but I'm looking at ways in which to, to give him a private gift, maybe at another time. But, but uh, officially, we are not allowed to give any gifts. Wow, how fascinating from the Prince of Monaco. Of course, we all love the coronation weekend and one of the biggest moments was the incredible concert held at Windsor Castle on Sunday night. Now, we're lucky enough to be joined by pianist Alexis French, who joins us fresh from a royal after party. Welcome to our podcast, Alexis French. Thank I'm you. so excited Thank to have you. you because I was watching your performance yesterday and now you're here with us. So I feel very privileged. This is hot off the press. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's great to be here. Yeah, and this, I, do you know what? I've never been into. Can I say where we are? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've never been in this building, Somerset House, before. It's beautiful. Isn't Our fans a... might swarm, though. Right? <laughs> I'm just thinking, They're all going to be here. I need to prefer, <laughs> protect your secrecy. Privacy <laughs> here. I don't, yeah, adorning fans turning up outside. But great building, great vibe, and lovely to meet you all. Thank you. How are you feeling day after? Um, so I'm feeling kind of like. Um, Naked? Blessed? <sighs> Oh, I'm feeling energized, actually, I think, because usually having given so much energy to something with so little sleep um, afterwards, I'd be pretty much on my knees right now. But I'm feeling propped up by something. So I guess that's the energy of last night. I commit myself to serve you all, king, country, 
and Commonwealth. God save the King. And just to explain to our listeners, Alexis was at the piano for my favourite moment in the whole concert, which was this beautiful tribute to the King's love for the natural world. Mm. And you were joined by Zach Abel, who was a mm. last minute replacement. Very, very much last minute. You oh, were sensational. Sensational. It was sensational, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, well, we had a, an amazing young singer called Freya Ridings, who was billed to perform with me and me with her, of course. And she contracted uh, acute bronchitis oh. um, at the 11th hour. That's such bad luck. And... Um, do you know what? It was devastating, I think, for everyone. And on a personal note, just for her, not for her talent to shine, mm-hmm. as it would have done for sure on that evening. It's just so sad. But she'll have an opportunity to rest and recuperate and recover. Mm-hmm. She'll be back stronger than ever. I'm absolutely sure of that. Zach Abel came in at the last minute, I think. Uh, didn't know the song. Zach, is that okay for me to say? Oh, I'm sure wow. it is. Didn't know the song. I, like, didn't know the song. That's um, insane. And then came in, but and I had a call as I was going to rehearsal. Actually, they called my wife. She was in the front seat. I was sitting in the back seat, and I could pick up bits from the conversation because she was. It wasn't on, and I and I thought this isn't this isn't good. Leslie, can you tell me what's going on? Leslie, can you tell? <laughs> no, <laughs> can you tell me what's? Like were you were so you worried stressed. that you'd have to do the vocals as well? No, I was, I was going through all the possibilities in my head. Of okay, yep, yeah, that could happen. This could happen. This could happen. I'm kind of like a solution person rather than a yeah. So just trying to solve it in my own head, and then once I got to grips with the situation, they said Zach's coming in. I knew of Zach because he'd done something with Sheku Kenny Mason, who I know, you know, yeah, um, the cellist who performed. Sheku and I did something in Germany not not so long ago, actually, a German TV and really cool guy, beautiful musician, and Zach did something with him. So I I knew of Zach's voice this very adventurous uh, young singer with an old soul. I mean that Mm. in a really complimentary way. His voice is kind of imbued with this beautiful, soulful quality. Won't you come see about me I'll be alone Dancing, you know it, baby Tell me your troubles and doubts Giving me everything Inside and out. So it would be a very different performance as it was to Freya, but brings something unique and some wonderful insights to that piece, to that song. Tell us about the choice of song. Whose idea was that? So that came to me as a sort of fait accompli. This is what I'm doing. And I started the thing with um, Guiding Light, which is a track I wrote from my last album, Truth. And so it started there when the uh, King Charles III was speaking mm-hmm. and then segued into to the Simple Mind song. Mm-hmm. And that was chosen as well. I think Cheryl, who is a series producer, chose Guiding Light. So there, there's so many creative minds that go into this thing. I mean, you, you saw the drones and I'm so pleased yes. I can talk about it yeah. now. It's been an embargo, yeah. so I haven't been able to say anything. The beauty of the vision. It was incredible. And not only the vision of what I did, but the dynamic arc that underpinned the entire Mm. evening. So you had these undulating sort of emotional touch points, right? It takes you here, then it takes you down there. And that's what I found most beautiful. So Lionel takes you here, then Katie takes you there. And then this piece. I think it's so, so clever what those guys um, I I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. What was it it like backstage? Because there were a lot of nerves. Uh, 
more nervy in the dress rehearsal, I would say, because it was compounded by the fact that we had quite heavy rain. My piano has been rained on. So if you can imagine, you're playing the piano and it's a, basically like a skating rink. Oh, wow. So slippy and it's fine. But, you know, you're just thinking, I really hope and pray because the piano was open to the elements. It was just yeah. out of that sheltering. But it was dry, fortunately, yesterday. Yesterday was different, though. So you get there and it's just, I pulled up, everyone's got their own porter cabins. I think I had Katy Perry next to me and take that and a line of, all this. We put our chairs out. I was chilling. It's like most a little, little camping chair. Yeah, I was just chilling and the music was coming out. Scott Mills was on and and I popped in. I thought, I'll get my key. I'll go to open up my little porter cabin. So I've just wandered down the road. And I've, I made the mistake of going into the wrong Porter cabin, so I was just was not. Was it Katie's? No, it was, oh, Stella, no. It was Stella McCartney. So oh, I, I, went, I also went to Stella and I said, Hi, I just popped in for my keys. And <laughs> <laughs> She's like, What keys? It was hilarious. Um, so I had to apologise profusely. But she, <laughs> but she was lovely. She was so nice. And then she came up to me afterwards. He had a lovely chat about Aww. mistaking her for the key lady. But, um, <laughs> but just to answer your question directly, the mood on the evening was, I would say, it was quite giddy during the day, like before. Yeah. Really giddy. Excitement. Excitement. And then when it came to the moment, it is as it always is pre-performance, which is supreme focus. Wow. And everybody wanting to meet the moment. Yeah. Serve the moment. Yeah. It was, it was quite selfless in the yeah. way that people, they're not thinking about themselves, they're thinking about the moment, what it represents, why we're here. And also wanting to give the people who'd obviously travel distances the experience of a lifetime. Mm. We all wanted to do that. Give everybody the experience of a lifetime. Everyone's in the audience live, everyone watching at home. And do right by the hours and hours and months of time and preparation that had gone into this thing. It's like the ultimate job share. Can you tell us what happened afterwards? Yeah, of course. So uh, directly afterwards, we were just waiting to be escorted over to the Windsor Castle for a party. So I wore exactly what I wore in the evening. Extremely uncomfortable hat. (laughs) You looked fantastic. Yeah, but this hat, I mean, I love the hat. There's this Maison Michelle hat, which has been shipped over. I love that. And I wore Joshua Kane suit. I've got to shout out Joshua Kane. Louboutin shoes. And my wife wore this beautiful outfit and actually accompanied by silver DMs. I'm, I'm giving you a real forensic detail yeah, here. Yeah, I love yeah. it. I love, I love it. it. Silver DMs, care of my daughter, Savannah, who is a delight, but she was furious. <laughs> <laughs> These DMs. Not um, Anyway, and in, into Windsor Castle, where everyone was there, all the performers and various members of royalty, um, surroundings walking up. That was surreal. I bet. Walking up past the... You know, I don't know, the armory rooms and the paintings, the grandeur and into this wonderful space. I don't eat before a performance. So I I had breakfast in the morning, but I don't eat because I I like to be alert and I find if I I get sluggish if I so I was just on a mission (laughs) to have some food. Do they have good canapes? (laughs) <laughs> they had none. Do they have all the quiches? Well, I've got, I've got to tell you, they brought, they brought around some, you know, the kind of really finicky stuff that you think, and this is, I don't know, a cucumber on a bed of um, ice. <laughs> Whatever, I'm thinking, mm. But anyway, and then somebody brought around this beef dish Ooh. in a bowl with a fork. 
And I thought, now we're talking. The beef was delicious. I mean, it was mm. so tender. And then I had some salmon to, to But they got to dessert rather quickly. So before I knew it, I was onto these sort of chocolate balls things, which were equally as delicious. So I had a lovely time. Then we spoke to, got a shout out, Steve Sidwell. What a fantastic achievement. What an amazing Mm. job. I just wanted to let Steve know how much I admired and and respected what he'd done. Because you're not just for me, but for every single artist and those artists, musical directors, Mm. managing not just the music, but I guess the politics as well that accompanies such big occasions. And um, with such good humour as well and patience. I mean, the scale of an operation like that is incredible, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Can you yeah. tell us, did you, did you get to meet the king? No, not yesterday. No, I didn't. He was in the audience, of course. Of course. He was having a busy day. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I got to meet him musically because, of course, my performance when I did this was accompanied his speech. Yeah. And so I felt at that moment that there was a very deep connection yeah. artistically. Mm. And that was, um, I guess, a huge responsibility because I knew that was my role in the concert and everybody wanted it to be what it what they knew it could be, right? Mm-hmm. With the drones and the, and the king's speech and the music to underpin. So in that sense, I felt a deep sense of responsibility. Yeah. Your hosts last night, actually, were William and Kate and the Duke and Duchess of Edinburgh and yeah. their daughter, Lady Louise. Did you get to talk to any of those? I believe my wife oh. spoke to Lady He was Lady too busy Louise. with the canopies. Um, <laughs> you know yeah, I was beef. <laughs> Leslie was finding the royals in that room. Yeah. Yeah, I, was, I was hunting for beef. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, no. I'm More not. pressing matters. Well, I think you'd earned it. <laughs> um, I believe when Leslie spoke to Lady Louise, I think I'm right in saying she goes to St. Andrews. Yes, yes, she does. Where my son goes as oh, well. amazing. So they had a lovely conversation oh. about St. Andrews University and because my son's just coming to the end of his second year now. Did your wife try to set them up, Alexis? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. My son plays his cards very close to his chest yeah. in that regard. I'm always digging. I'm always, I'm always fishing. But he's like, Dad, no, that's weird. Um... <laughs> Have you had a chance to watch your performance back now? And had you seen the drones before that? Because, I mean, there were audible gasps, weren't there, when the butterfly appeared overhead? I kind of saw some renders, I think, way, way back of this is what we're playing. But I've got to admit, I didn't pay too much attention to that. And then yesterday when I'd played and people said, oh, my God, and the whale. I I honestly didn't know what they were talking about. (laughs) So, no, I didn't really get a full sense of it. And there were some other things that were going on as well, because normally when you play uh, soloistically, certainly mm. you'd have the piano like on a full stick, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there were some conversations about whether it should be on a full stick or flat, but I think people, everybody but me knew what it would look like, I think, externally. But you were just it, in the moment. I'm just, um, yeah, I was just more concerned about the musical matters than the visual matters. Mm. But I think afterwards... I realised actually it was just so much more, you know, so much more than, than the music. It's the message, it's the visuals, it's the everything. Were you starstruck by any of the performers last night? Um, no, I wasn't starstruck. I was interested to yeah. know how, just like anybody else would be, yeah. interested to know how they would like deport themselves, hold yeah. themselves. You know that you kind of get these people and you think, oh, yeah, I, I like the fact he's down, just kind of, she's really down to earth, he's really mm. down to earth. I kind of really appreciate when people take time to engage with everyone around them and don't yeah. take themselves 
too seriously. Yeah, for sure. The person, I guess, who I came into contact with, who I thought, yeah, I'm so pleased you are what I thought you might be, was Lionel Richie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because he seems like a very, very fun guy. Oh, he's so cool because we, we had a lovely chat dress rehearsal day, and then we had a lovely chat on the concert day. Are so warm, personable, and you look into his eyes and you realize there's a, a real genuine spirit there. This is your second time working with the royal family, third actually. Oh, yeah, tell us about that because. When you get the call saying, will you perform for the King's coronation? Mm. I mean, this is a once in a generation mm. moment, isn't it? Is there any hesitation? No, 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 not at all, no. And I think the interesting thing is these are very complex times that we live in, in terms of, you know, the mosaic of identity and, and certainly, you know, conversations about foundational wealth and the provenance of wealth and all these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And I was aware of certain comments that might be made from certain sections of society. But from my mind, everything that I've done and from everything that I know of uh, His Majesty King Charles III is that this is a man who's dedicated himself to diversity, inclusion. And you only have to look at the Prince's Trust and the incredible work that that organization has done. I've been involved uh, Mm -hmm. with them for a number of years. So no hesitation on my side. At 100%, I was, where do I sign for this? Fantastic. That's just made me emotional. I don't know why. Oh, it was just so yeah. beautifully said. <laughs> yeah, but, you, but you're right. This It has been a talking point, particularly over the last few years. And it's mm. really interesting to hear your thoughts on that. Actually. Yeah, well, actually, I think in particularly with King Charles, the fact that he's now on the throne will give more oxygen to these important conversations. Absolutely. Uh, in a way that perhaps hasn't happened before. He leans into these things. And I think he's spoken about Britain as being a community of communities, embracing all faiths. We saw the the innovations in the coronation, for instance. And I think this is a time he's not afraid to have these difficult, uncomfortable conversations, and they do need to be had. I think he's fully aware of it, isn't he? 100%. Yeah. yeah. It's Alexis, been wonderful. This is so lovely to talk to you. <laughs> I could have you here all day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Lovely Thanks. to talk to you too. Thank you yeah. so Thank much you so for much. joining us. He was amazing. I could have listened to him all day. He was incredible. Uh, and finally, you have no idea how much preparation goes into an occasion like this, which I learned firsthand after visiting the Royal Barracks in Knightsbridge a couple of days ahead of the coronation to speak to Captain Elizabeth Godwin, who chatted all about getting ready for the King's procession. Have a listen. Okay, so can you tell us a little bit about life in the Household Cavalry and what that means and what it means to be riding in the Sovereign's Escort for people that might not know? Yeah, of course. So I'm Captain Elizabeth Godwin. I'm in the Lifeguards Squadron within the Household Cavalry Mounted Regiment. We are based at Knightsbridge um, Hyde Park Barracks, where we facilitate and conduct ceremonial state duties of which uh, one of them will be escorting the king on Saturday uh, for the coronation. Other things that we do as the House of Cavalry is we've got two uh, different elements within the House of Cavalry. So we've got our operational and deployable side of the regiment based down at Bulford. Uh, they conduct armoured reconnaissance. And we're currently out on operations in Cyprus and Kosovo. And then we have the House of Cavalry Mounted Regiment who conduct ceremonial duties uh, full time from Knightsbridge Barracks. 
So obviously right now we're recording in the days in the lead up to the coronation, but this will go out after the coronation happens. Obviously everyone will have seen our new king and queen now, but you have been rehearsing, it sounds like, all through hours of the night, early hours of the morning. What's that been like? And are you knackered? <laughs> are you ready? Like, how do you feel? <laughs> yes, uh, there have been a lot of re rehearsals going on. As you can hear, my voice at the moment is very husky. Um, <laughs> part of that is because we had a early morning rehearsal the other evening, which is an opportunity for everyone to do a live uh, dress rehearsal out um, on the Mall in Buckingham Palace, um, Full Court and down to Westminster Abbey. This is essential for us so that we can get the timings um, perfect on the day and that the dressings of all the horses look absolutely sharp and, and on point so the rehearsals have been a little bit relentless um, <laughs> the early mornings then fall into a working day for me as I was the duty orderly officer the next day just means that our, our sleep is uh, a little bit limited but it's all focusing on Saturday and the eyes of the world will be watching so um, it's hugely important for us to get it right and you gave us a tour of the stables earlier and um, explained a little bit about how you're preparing the horses for the drums and the flags and things. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So it's quite a fun element that we have. We do some desensitisation with the horses and to ensure that they are not scared by any of the union jacks out on the mall or noisy bands or, uh, you know, potential crowds that are, are cheering and clapping. We do a, a series of trainings with our horses, uh, particularly the younger ones that may not have been exposed to these sorts of parades before. A lot of the older ones are well seasoned and, and they have done a lot of this. So the King's Birthday Parade coming up this year, it'll all help towards everything that we do in this ceremonial season. We play loud music, we get some banners, we have whistles and flags and uh, the troops really enjoy delivering that training to the horses and we sort of ride them on in our uh, arenas so that they are prepared for, for the big day. And um, for the big day, what exactly will you be doing? I've, I've heard talk that you'll be by the Gold State coach. Is that true? And I mean, like that is incredible because that is, I mean, what a amazing historical thing to be a part of. Um, yes, yeah, no, it really is amazing. Sometimes I have to pinch myself and think what a fantastic opportunity to be doing ceremonial duties during this time. Mm. I will be a three divisional commander on the day. So for the lifeguards, we have two uh, divisions of horses and the Blues and Royals also have two divisions. The Blues and Royals will take place in front of the gold state carriage and we will be uh, to the rear. There's an a party of sort of important people to the rear of the carriage itself and we'll be just behind that. So, yeah, I was the first time that I saw the gold coach the other day uh, at the early morning rehearsal, and it's a seriously impressive coach up close. So that was a pretty special um, opportunity to see that. I mean, really simple question here, but are you nervous? Like, have you had any moments of like, oh, my God, this is so huge? I think there's definitely plenty of time to reflect and think this is what an opportunity, you know, fantastic, and it is huge. But also, uh, it is what we do daily. We go down to King's Lifeguards on a regular occasion, doing state duties in the public eye. So for us, this is our bread and butter. I wouldn't say that I'm nervous at this moment in, in time. I'm perhaps conscious that I slightly lost my voice at this stage. And <laughs> hopefully by Saturday, it'll be nice and, and clear so that I can give the commands as required. I'm sure, I'm sure. Like a lot of honey, a lot of honey tea. Exactly. <laughs> Lizzie, thank you so much and have the most amazing time. 
How amazing is she? I loved speaking to her. Did you love the horses? Yes, they were ginormous. They were <laughs> the biggest horses I've ever seen. Really? And one of them was called Harry as a nickname, actually. Fun fact. Oh, I love His that. real name's Atlas. Well, anyway. Yep. So that's everything <laughs> from us today. Thank you so much to all of our guests and to you for joining us. We'll be back for season two later this year. So Ooh. don't forget to subscribe now and stay tuned for updates. In the meantime, catch more from Hello with our news and entertainment show, The Daily Lowdown, available on Spotify, Apple and wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Bye.